Welcome back, everybody. And we're off. Patrick Deveni, my I, friend. I feel like it's been a minute. You were, yeah. we, we had to record. We doubled up. You went on a priest convocation. Priest convocation 2021. That's Got the right. t-shirt. That's right. You were gone. I actually didn't get a t-shirt. That would be cool. That'd be cool if you guys like all got like priest t-shirts. Like priest shirts that had like a black theme with a white maybe collar. Yeah. And yeah. everybody yeah. wore the exact same outfit. I, I love all of you who are my friends. I love you all. But I get, everyone thinks they're so creative because they're like, hey, FB, you should get a black dog with a little white spot on its <laughs> like neck. And I'm like, never heard that one before. Yeah, totally. Same old jokes. What do you guys, when you are all together, that's actually a good question. When you're all together at your convocation, yep. you're in Colorado Springs, you show up to the hotel, is yes. everybody in, your, in the all blacks? Or do you get no. to wear whatever you want? So it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's, it's kind of like there are fashion statements among priests to tell you a little bit of like, not, you don't want to read too much into it, but they always say, so the, the priests, when they're all together, they always say, just come casual shirt, shirt and jeans. And I'm, I'm that kind oh, of guy. Nice. So I wear a t-shirt jeans and my flip flops. Yeah. Even when it snows. And cause it mostly cause you know this about me. I hate shoes. Yeah. I hate wearing Same. shoes. So I was very casual because that's what they ask. And I'm always like that. But I always laugh because guys, there are priests who, no matter what you say, they will come in like a cassock or they're always going to be in their collar. And I don't know why, but somehow it's kind of this, it's like virtue signaling with priests. Totally. Priests virtue. And you feel a little judgment. They look around and you think, I'm the real priest. That's right. How dare you wear jeans? Right. Yeah. And also... Nathan Goble, so he put on entertainment night for all the priests. So Father Nathan Goble is some weird blend of Chris Farley and I don't know. Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, yes. Yeah. yeah. But we love Father Nathan. He's a member of my community and he is he really is one of the funniest people you will ever meet in your life. And he's always pushing the envelope a little bit. And he said Get ready, boys. They, they put me in charge of entertainment and look out for what's coming. But he did a great job, him and Father Sam Moorhead. So they were in charge of, they did a trivia night for the priests. And what's more fun than that? Right. Barrel full of monkeys Man. or trivia night with priests. Totally. What do you want? So they, they did that. But anyway, one of the questions was, what is the element on the periodic table of elements that comes from the Greek words for the, the birth of water? Oh my gosh. What? I know. And so the answer is hydrogen. So from ganao, uh, and, which is to uh, begotten, to be begotten, born. Um, and <clears throat> hydros is one of the forms of water, but I forgot that hydros is Greek. So the normal Greek word in the New Testament for water, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, udatos. And so... It was a fun night. We're all bantering. And at some point, somebody made some comment about the hydrogen question and how ridiculous it was. And I was like, yeah, you didn't even get the Greek word right for water. And Goble in front, he's like, no, actually, that is a Greek word for water. And in front of 170 priests, whatever it was, Goble's like, Brian Larkin got a Greek word wrong. Oh, my gosh. I have been waiting for this moment my entire life, and I am going to never forget this, and you'll never let it down. So that was humiliating. So all the priests were in there? 
like entertainment night, you pretty much had all yeah, everyone's in there. It's priest force fun. So, but it was good. And I, and I really mean it. Like so father, father Sam Moorhead, who's now the new rector of the cathedral. That's a big That's right. honor for him. Yeah. He is a, he's a great man. Uh, he'll do a great job at the cathedral. He and father Nathan put that on and father Sam is famous for many things, but one of them is that he has a British accent, even though he's not from England. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> and so he had the British accent and Goble was just being Goble. At one point he dressed up in a giant beaver suit because he was promoting like beaver nuggets, which are Midwestern candy of sorts. Just leave it to Goble. Yeah. You just never know what you're going to get. It was pretty funny. They did a great job. They really did. It was, it was fun. So father, father Sam has great style. Does he, did he go casual or was he, He's casual on okay. the convocation, I want to say. Okay. He's got good, he, I've seen him, you know, he's got good style. Yeah, isn't that interesting? If, I mean, I, lay people must think, man, what's it like to be at a big conference with 170 priests or whatever? Steph, oh man, she made a comment that I cringed when she said it. But I cringe because it's the world we live in today. And I was like, dang it, she's so right. When she was like, like, do you guys have, I, I, Diana asked you this, do you guys have like added security? Cause she made a comment when she, I was like, yeah, all the priests are getting together in one hotel. Literally all the archdiocese and priests. Similar to the government. Retired. You can't have the president, the vice president. That's the right. Of the house. She's like, if you want to take out yeah. the church. And I was like, oh, but so true. It's kind of intense. That, that is intense. We don't have added security. I think mostly we just freak people out. Totally. And I try to freak them out more. I just yeah. make eye contact with random strangers and wink at them. Oh, that's interesting. Um, no, but it was a great week. Uh, <clears throat> I do want to give a shout out. Oh, yes. To Megan Flanagan. I don't think she listens to this. Megan now Flanagan is a woman I just met with who is a... Very uh, dedicated pressure at my new parish that I am taking on. Ah, oh, you beat me to the punch. I beat you to Go the punch. St. Louis uh, Catholic Parish in Inglewood, Colorado. So I'm going to be the pastor starting July 1st of two parishes, Our Lady of Lords, which is where I have been for seven years. I'm going to remain here, but also take on St. Louis, which is a mile south of us. And Megan was just charming. She was wonderful. She's one of these women who I think has been faithful to the church for so long. And she's kind of, I feel like a quiet, prayerful person who just shows up, loves God, serves others. And it was great having coffee with her. That's awesome. And is she a parent, school parent? No. She's a, one of her grandchildren. One of her, okay. Yeah, one of her grandkids is in the school. So that's a whole nother, well, we may never even get to our topic here. Um, let's just let me, per usual, do the flattering of FB is... Huge, huge testament to both you and Rosemary. Rosemary is amazing. Um, but it's a, it's a huge, it's a big deal that you got assigned pastor over Our Lady of Lords and St. Louis. And it is a big testament to the success that Lords has had both within the parish and the school. And it's just such an exciting time. Like sure. it's, it's so crazy. And we get two new priests now. Shout out to both of them. Yeah, Father Vitold and Father Sean. Although Father Sean is not Father Sean yet, but soon to be Father Sean. Soon to be. When does that happen? May? May 15th. That's right. Um, and it's just so, it's, it, it has been really fun, even just as a staff trying to now plan like events 
it's so nice because only a mile apart. Yeah. But events at Lords, events at St. Louis, incorporating a big community. Right. Um, it's just so interesting to watch it all kind of play out. And it's like we're it's kind of like the lead up to Christmas. Like it officially happens July one. So you're kind of like speeding up to a yellow light right now. Yep. And you're just like waiting for the the floodgates to open. But it's just so exciting. Yeah. And there's I think it's an interesting thing. This has happened in other parts of the country where there's questions around you know, we're going into a, a society more and more in a time in history where there's going to be fewer and fewer Christians. Right. And it's going to, this will relate to our topic. This could be a good lead into our topic today, but yeah, the church, we, everybody's been saying this for a while. I, I feel like I have been a, a prominent voice in the diocese saying this for 10 years almost, but we don't, we don't live in 19, you know, forties or fifties Roman Catholicism in the United States anymore we don't live in a place where the Christian worldview is assumed and we have to think creatively about, you know, the, the growing atheistic culture around us. Yep. And for us as a church, the most important thing is that we always draw our life from Jesus and love him. And if we do that, then that's the most important thing, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't be thoughtful, but how do we, how do we strategically think about how, we fulfill our mission as Christians. And when you have, so St. Louis parish and our lady of Lords parish are one mile apart. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of thought by a lot of people around. What if we could think of creative ways to leverage these parishes, these communities and really be to say, and and if anybody in St. Louis is listening to this, I'm super excited to be there. We have a common mission, right? And I think sometimes there's a, there can be a tendency in my parish versus your parish. And I certainly can fall into that. I, as anyone who knows me is knows that I can be guilty of that, but really we have a common mission. We've got to bring the gospel to a world that desperately needs the love of God. Mm-hmm. And with these two parishes a mile apart, my hope for this, and I think it's yours as well, is that unless you're like a secret spy from the communist atheistic party or something, no, my my big goal for this to say something else Bob. <laughs> anyways yeah probably better you didn't yeah my goal we want to create a hotbed of catholicism that will be a source of renewal not just for these two parishes but honestly for the catholic church of denver mm-hmm. we want to we want to have an energy we want to pray to god to pour out an energy upon us that we think there's a vision here and god has brought together a lot of great people that we can create a place where you can be a normal, fun, totally human person. And you can be a great saint and a great lover of God, which is really, honestly, that's kind of what this podcast is about. As well. That's a hundred percent. And I think we've said it before on here, but I, I completely, I could not disagree more with the concept of like church boundaries and, and the way that that's been defined, I think it goes back to like when you're saying that 1940s, 1950s, where everything was kind of assumed and everything was like built around the faith. And that was ingrained, whether you were really practicing or not. Either way, odds are you went to church with your family. You went to mass yep. on Sunday. In your neighborhood. In your neighborhood. And you knew your neighbors. You probably walked there. Yeah. Like, and that's fine. And I think you, I think you've pointed that out to me before. I mean, the way that the archdiocese designed the churches. And it goes all the way back to the Roman Empire, but keep going. Yeah, we're like in Denver specifically, like it's all on the same streets. 
you know, like Logan or, uh, that's one section of it. The section we're in. That's right. Where there's, I mean, you just drive down the street and there's just boom, church, 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 like all a mile apart. And it was master plan that way back in the day. Yeah. And it made sense. But when you success breeds success and in our, in the whole, going back to the podcast idea, we have a thriving community here, but on the whole, yep. Catholics are dropping like flies. We're an, we're an island in a sea of growing secularism. Right. There's a, so that, that street in Denver, Logan Street, so, so there's an old joke with some of the priests, they call it the Logan Street Shuffle, <laughs> which is so tacky. That's such a like priest thing to say. <laughs> such a priest thing to say. But it was, he, uh, Arch, I think it was Archbishop Veer who was the, the archbishop in Denver kind of around the time of the second Vatican council, but must go back earlier than that, actually. But one of the, well, anyway, one of the bishops wanted a parish, I think every mile, if you just march down Logan street, starting with the cathedral, yep. you would have a, a parish every mile or so. And so you have the cathedral, then you get mother of God. Then St. Francis de Sales is not on Logan street, but it's very close. Then you get, um, our lady of Lords. Then you get St. Louis, then you have all souls. Yep. And so it's kind of this corridor, they called it the Logan street shuffle, but we don't, I think the point is we don't live in that world anymore. No. And at one point that probably made a lot of sense to have that kind of a vision. What do you like? Well, um, uh, as a development director, like I'm getting like a panic attack thinking of like fundraising this concept of like, I want a church every mile. But back then it was, I mean, so easy. Well, I, I would assume so easy, but everyone was bought in. Now we like what we're the project we're about to do with the South Campus. We we have twenty families on a wait list for preschool. We're going to do such a an amazing remodel in order to get a preschool at the South Campus. Do the project, and when you look at our number of what we have to raise, and there's even looking at just the preschool portion, two hundred seventy five grand. You're like, it can be daunting. But to think back in the day where it was so ingrained mm-hmm. in, in every aspect of society, it's a much different, that's ah, crazy. Yeah. The, you know, a great story about that. My, uh, my grandmother who passed away, grandma Jane, yep. love her. May she rest in peace. She, she would always complain about how ugly churches are, you know, in the nineties and the early two thousands. And she was right. Dominantly, we built really ugly churches and we did for a long time. Yeah, honestly. But one time I remember I was talking with Archbishop Shapu and my home church, St. Francis Cabrini, a lot of good things there. Not a beautiful church though, built in the round. It feels a little bit like WWF because you have these, you have stadium seating where, and then it all comes to the middle and it's in a circle. And the altar is, this is so sacrilegious. Forgive me, Lord. But the altar looks almost like it's the WWF wrestling ring or something. Yeah. Yeah. And my grandmother just never loved that church. And one time I was talking to Archbishop Shapu, and he made a passing comment about how one of the reasons people built churches in the round was because it was cheaper. Oh, now I don't know if that's true, but, and I might have a revisionist history of this comment, but my grandmother, I'll never forget this. Speaking of development. And this is a great question for the church today in a secular world, where are we at? But, Grandma Jane, I remember, I was like, Grandma, isn't that great news? They didn't really want to build churches in the round. It was just, which is only partially true. They, they, I could get way down the rabbit hole on this one. But I said, isn't that great? You know, they, it's cheaper. So they weren't trying to build 
churches this way. And she looked at me and she said, and Grandma Jane was always just sweet Grandma Jane who was, you know, little bri bride, do you just want another cookie? Yeah, yeah. But she looked at me with fire in her eyes and she said, do not talk to me about saving money on churches. So, her, and the reason Ooh. she said it was so, and she went into this with me, her parents were poor Irish people living uh, in kind of central East Denver near city park. Yep. And they built St. Ignatius of Loyola church, which they've gutted it now, but it was a gorgeous church. And she told me the story of how it was built on the backs of poor people who loved God. Mm. And they, and they sacrificed and a bunch of poor Catholic people to build these churches. And, but there's enough of them. Right. And I think that's your point is that now the, the Catholic population has shrunk so much and the practicing Catholic population. And so we're, we're not in that world anymore. Right. Right. We're not in that world and we got to rethink how we do things and how do we live as the body of Christ in 2021 where the second largest Christian denomination is ex-Catholics. Maybe right. that's the largest, I think. Oh, oh I, I think it is the largest. Yeah. So I think that is a great segue into the actual topic, which all relates kind of back to that. But if you look back throughout history and how this has all changed, even as far, like you just look at the 40s and 50s, where it was like, that was still part of it. Then you have the sexual revolution in the 60s and the, all this chain of events that is where we're at now. Yep. And where we kind of want to just guide me here on this, but if it's anything different, but for the topic being, can you as a parent, and especially as I have Gianna coming into the world, let your kid grow up with any religion they want, if at all, especially when you're battling public school, the teachings in public schools, the te you can't even turn on the TV anymore without it having, you know, get on social media, any of that kind of stuff, you were consistently battling a message. And so it's changed so quick. What's, what's the best approach in trying to like guide your kid in faith? Yeah. So we should <clears throat> give credit to Megan Carney here. That's right. Shout out Megan. Shout out Megan. Megan Carney. She, she kind of gave me this topic because she heard some other, some other podcast. She was cheating. <laughs> And she, she said, it wasn't, yeah, anyway, I'm not even going to say it. But she said, she heard somebody asking, and actually it was Ben Shapiro. There was a caller that asked Ben Shapiro about, basically he said, I want my kids to have the values the religion brings, but I don't, I don't believe in God. So is it, he, he kind of was asking Ben Shapiro, is it, is it disingenuous for me? And I didn't hear this conversation, but yeah. is it disingenuous for me to take my kids to church or synagogue? When I don't, I don't really believe it's true, but I want the kind of effect of religion, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is interesting because some of the founding fathers of the country really thought that way. And I don't know, it's an, it's an intriguing question. And we, and we hear it a lot. By the way, I get this in marriage prep all the time. Not all the time, sometimes. It drives me crazy. And so... How so? What do you mean? Well, I uh, kind of... Um, what's that word? I, for, I forget the word I'm looking for, but... I just think it's ridiculous. And so it drives me crazy because sometimes these, usually it's guys come in. I don't know why. Yeah. Women just tend to be more religious, I guess. I don't know. But guys will come into marriage prep and they'll say, oh, my parents, they were really enlightened. 
you know, they, they were, they were, they were really accepting enlightened modern people yep. and they let us just choose our religion when we grew up. So of course I'm an, and, I, and whenever that happens, you will never have a kid who's a Christian unless God radically intervenes in their life yep. and something crazy happens with it. But 95%, if you do that, the default is going to be atheist. Yep. Don't you think? A hundred percent. And I, I was asking for more clarification. I didn't want to assume, but I think a lot of times I'm, personally in our lives right now i mean we have two steph and i have two family members that are personally going to be reaching out and you know this but reaching out to you because they are trying you know one may or may not be catholic the the husband or the wife is or is not and they're like well you know we're getting married in the church and then with our kids we'll figure it out or you know We'll let them decide any of that kind of stuff. And it's unfortunate because in both of the circumstances, I'm like, please just hop on a call with FB so you can understand, bring up the things that you're scared about that don't make sense to you that are like what I went through of like, what are the rules? What are the, all this kind of stuff Um, that unfortunately in their part of the world, wherever they live, it's not being explained well. So if you're not bought into the faith, you're kind of like, man, that's a lot of, like, I don't want to raise my family that way. Yep. Like I wasn't raised that way. It doesn't make sense to me. And so it doesn't really apply and it's not practical Yep. and you're, you're out. Yep. And, and then you don't really get the answers you're looking for. So you're just like, well, okay, we'll just let them, you know, figure out what they want to be when they grow up. Yeah. We have to recover priests in particular, but all of us as Catholics, we've got to recover a sense of how we have to know our faith. Totally. And I don't think it's actually the first thing. You know, I, I do think the first thing is more, we need to be people who are in contact with the living and risen Jesus Christ. And if you don't, if you're living a life where you're in contact with him, I had, I had the best holy hour this morning. It was so good. And I have all this anxiety right now about all these things we've got to get going for these two parishes. Yep. But I was, I was in my holy hour and God kind of was just, I mean, I, I didn't hear a voice, but he was speaking to me metaphorically. Yeah. And my anxieties, they came back after holy hour, but before, but during holy hour, I was like, man, I feel amazing. I'm like, Jesus, that's right. If I fail and if I don't live up to what I'm supposed to do for these two parishes and if I'm not, you know, everything and all that in a bag of chips, it's okay. Yep. And because what really matters is I love you and you are the one who sets the world right and not me. And it was just, I was able to let go of the anxieties, uh, for, an hour. That's right. It was great. We joked about that starting the podcast. I mean, you know, my phone is, I, I had such a wild morning of a million things to do that you and I both needed to, and to turn that phone off again. And that I, it just has to point out how valuable that holy hour is to just break away uh-huh. and just be with God. And, and also realizing like, okay, if anything happens in the next hour, it's, we're fine. Like yep. that can wait. Yeah. And I think, um, so let's, let's get back to this topic. I think, so can you, can you raise your kids and without guidance around religion and maybe even some guidance, you know, I know people who would say, let's go visit different churches and let's go visit a synagogue and a mosque and let's go, let's go do all these different things. And kids, what did you like? Yeah. And, and I think the really, the big problem with this is actually relates to, I haven't read the book. I still need to read the, your guy, 
Dr. Sachs. Collapse of parenting. The collapse of parenting, right? Isn't that this, that's what this is. That's right. Parents. Imagine if you did that with food. Yep. You know, your, your father and I have decided that we're not going to impose on you any of, you know, kind of the food groups we think you should eat. Mm -hmm. We're going to let you decide. Are you out of your bleeping mind? Yeah. Are you sure you haven't read the book? That's, that's a big, that's like chapter five. Oh, is it really? Yeah. yeah. That's his example. I mean, it is, it is as no, simple Dr. as that. Dr. Leonard, is that his name? Dr. Leonard Sachs. Yeah. He and I think just very similar. Well, that's why we're bringing him in. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. In September, he's a guest speaker here. Uh, because I, I felt really, pat I know Rosemary, our principal did too for school parents, but it is that concept of like, and he breaks it down in a way of like, your job as a parent is not to be a best friend. Yep. Sure, you could be a friend, but you have to be that force in their life yep. that will point them in the directions they need to go. Yep. And, and that doesn't mean you have to be great at like, it's a, there is no total answer to yep. that salute, like guideline. You don't, all of a sudden Gian is born and I have like the playbook of like what to do. And I'm sure I'll, I'll butcher I'll, it I'll all the time. I'll give you that. I'm, well, that's, I'm excellent that's why you're there. That's right. Babies. That's right. Yeah. I'll, have a, I'll have a diagram in there of how to change a diaper. Please. Yeah. Uh, and like the Ikea how-to. Um, but it is, it, a lot of things revolve around that now. I think you see it more and more in society of just like, oh, just, I mean, even as not as simple, but if you're looking at it from the standpoint of like, yeah, I'm having Gianna, but if she wants to change her sex, then. Yeah. Okay. That's what she wants. But it's like, she is in that case, but in that book as well. I mean, they're 10 years old. It's like, I still don't even know what I want for dinner. And if I want to go home and eat my ice cream before the vegetables, like that's not a good look. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. No, I, I mean, this reflects so much of the broader thinking of our society. And I think the lie under this, it's all about human nature. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Part of human nature, and then we talked about the fall uh, yep. a couple episodes ago, I think. Modern world the, denies that the fall happened. Yeah. And so, but all you have to do is think a little bit about this. For human beings, very, very frequently, what is best is not the first thing that you're drawn to or the easiest. Mm -hmm. if, I, if I live my life, and this is, there's a, it reminds me of a book called Till We Have Built Jerusalem. This guy, Philip Best, it's actually a book about architecture and it relates to our discussion about the churches, but that's, that takes us too far afield. But, um, he has this great line where he says the natural law claim, and that's what we're talking about here is the natural law, um, about, and we're, well, we're talking about religion, but let's talk about natural law and what a human being is for a minute. What Philip Best says, and he's really quoting Aristotle and Aquinas here is he says this, the natural law claim is simple. It's that the things that are best in life are oftentimes difficult to achieve and you have to discipline yourself. So if you just think about this with anything, health is always an easy one, but, but we could choose other things. We all know if I, if I just do the things that I want to do in the end, it's going to lead me to be miserable. Yeah. And that that's the natural law insight is that you have to have some delayed gratification, whatever you want to call it. You have to have discipline in your life to learn to become something good. If you just do what you do want to do all the time, you will end up a train wreck of a human being. Yep. And, but somehow when it comes to religion, it's like, Oh no, this is different. And kids, they're not asking their children, 
which one of these is, has any truth to it? You go to a synagogue, you go to an evangelical church, you go to a Catholic mass. Well, kids, which one did you like? They're going to be like, we hated every single one of them. And especially Catholic mass <laughs> because the music was terrible and the preaching was even worse. That's what I was going to say for a child. If you're asking a child that it's nine times out of 10 will come down to who had the best cookies, who was yeah. the nicest person, what was the prettiest one, all the things that are a child would think. What's yeah. the value placement of that? I think the question that I have for you, which was interesting, becoming Catholic, yeah. I had really, really wanted to be baptized again. Yes. Right? Like, I wanted the water poured on my head because at that point in my life, I'm 31, 32, it was my decision. Now, I was baptized as a baby, three months old. And I had nothing to do with that. But I was like, what do you mean I don't get to be baptized again? Like, sure, my mom did this thing and I wore all white and cried and, you know, went and took a nap. Sure. But then I've lived life and did everything you just talked about was trying to find every instant gratification, right? Always wanting the next led only to more and more and more depression and anxiety and all the above. And then I finally came to this point in my life where it's like, okay, I need God. And then it became the Catholic church. And I, I really wanted that, but I correct me if I'm wrong, but you said a statement to me of like <clears throat> the reason, and obviously it has to do with original sin, but when you're baptized as a baby, and so young, like I needed that in my life. I am where I am today and coming back to the church because I was yep. baptized. Yeah. You were giving graces objectively. Yeah. Some of us, you know, some of us aren't always open to graces, uh -huh. mostly, you know, people like me, <clears throat> but we're not always open to them, but, but they're objectively there. And so the, the grace that God poured into your life when you were baptized may have been dormant. If you're a Christian who's like, out there, maybe you're not Catholic because a lot of people are, they, they resonate with that. Yeah. They want to make their adult decision. Yep. And by the way, that's important. I did that this morning. Yeah. He said there at the convocation, one of the priests said a friend of his, who's also a priest, somebody asked, Hey, when did you decide to become a priest? And the priest said this morning. Nice. You know, and just, yeah. just kind of emphasizing, Hey, you've got to choose it every day mm -hmm. and you've got to, and there, there's going to be bigger moments where God renews that call in your life, but it's not just a one and done thing. But baptism, the real key to this is we don't get to decide these things. God does. Yeah. And <clears throat> baptism, if you go, if you're interested in this, go and read Colossians two and three, where Paul says that baptism is the circumcision of Christ. And so circumcision in the old covenant, when did that happen? When were you circumcised in the old covenant? Do you know? How, how old are you when you get circumcised? Seven? It's a good guess, but no. It, you get circumcised on the eighth day. Oh, dang it. So male children in Israel are circumcised oh. on the eighth day. <laughs> and hey, no cussing on the podcast. I didn't. I said, uh, oh, yes, you did. Okay. Um, but I'm going to call I was, you out. Uh, that's good. You should. I mean, I was close. The seventh day versus the eighth day. It's fine. Yeah, in seventh day. <laughs> so you get circumcised on the eighth day. And what it is, it's, it's entrance into the covenant, the family. And so Protestants tend to think that all that matters is faith. Right. And they define faith by your kind of adult decision to become this. 
and again, that your adult decision to follow Jesus is massively important. I agree about that, but that's not what the New Testament says. The New Testament says that the entrance to the covenant is baptism. The new circumcision is not your decision at 17 to say, I give my life to Jesus. As good as that is, I should do that today. I mean, I want to decide today to give my life to Jesus. That matters. But Gianna, what makes her a Deveni is not her adult decision at 14 that she still likes mom and dad. Right. She was given a gift to be a part of the family the day that she was conceived. Um, and what a, what a beautiful gift that is to her. Totally. So, so I think that's one of the, the misconceptions out there about this. So then if you are, like going back to the original question, though, that someone asked Ben Shapiro, I mean... It's kind of interesting, like if somebody doesn't believe, like when they say like, oh, I want the values of yeah. church. Yeah. It's like, I kind of say the same thing about football um, from the standpoint of like football and every level, like higher you go, the more and more damage it does physically, but mentally sure, and all that stuff that it's like, I mean, you just see the numbers of suicides after playing and all that kind of stuff. And I always kind of say, like, I loved high school football because I think it does. It, it really teaches you a lot of discipline, right. like all the right values. But I don't necessarily love where it leads, right. you know, like, sure, enjoy it. And I'd let my kid play, but I don't love it. But I, I don't I would never really kind of be like, I don't love this whole church thing. You know, mm -hmm. like, I don't love that, that. But I like I like their values like how do you kind of like yeah even engage into that and i guess like so that's one side of it of someone that doesn't really believe but then the other side if somebody is like for me like how do i want to raise gianna i am a believer yeah but i don't want to like if you have that feeling of like i don't want to force it on them yeah how do you kind of navigate that because i think it's two separate areas of like either you're a believer or you're not yeah so there's, there's, a, there's some really deep stuff here. The, um, the practical, right? So the guy who wants the practical effects, yep. right? And the outcomes, but doesn't really believe. There's a real problem there. And this is, this is so popular right now. And just popular is the wrong word. It's just in the air. This yeah. is how a lot of us just think. And I understand why, but we should behave based on what is true not based on what works. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little bit, I was thinking, imagine if you were, um, you say, but I, I've had this before in marriage prep where you have like a couple who says, well, we should get married. There's tons of studies that show if you, if you're in a stable marriage, the effects of like, you're, you're very unlikely to have poverty in your life. You're much more likely to live a fulfilling life, both economically, socially, physically, all kinds of things in, um, improve if you're in a good marriage. Yep. So imagine if you're like, hey, I want all those things. Do I love my wife? No. But I, but I want that effect. It's a little bit like that. You're, you're sawing off the branch on which you sit. And so with religion, the only reason we should really follow religion is if it's true. Mm -hmm. Right? So like the matrix, that'd be another image of this. Yep. In the matrix, there's the guy who gets inserted back into the matrix and he knows it's false. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone recognizes in that movie, that guy's a scoundrel because he, because 
he gets inserted back in the matrix and they say, Hey, we'll program you. So you have, you're a very wealthy man. You have every pleasure you could ever want. But everyone looks at that and they say, what a scoundrel. Yep. Because you, your entire existence is a lie and you chose a, a convenient lie over the truth. And so ultimately human beings, and I think this is really the heart of the matter is that we should live for what is true. And, and the, the problem that we have right now in the United States, and especially I think in Catholicism and a lot of places is the answers are there, but no one's done their homework. Right. And there aren't enough voices. There are more and more coming. Praise God. We've got some great voices out there. You know, Bishop Barron is always at the front of my mind. Yep. But uh, Dr. Tim Gray, uh, Curtis Martin, the people at Focus, there's lots of people out there. Ted Shree. We have a lot of great voices, but not enough. Right. Not enough. And we need more and more lay people and priests in particular. We need to be living gospels. Mm-hmm. And so the, the truth is, is there's great answers of why you should be religious. Uh, and, and the biggest thing is that and this leads me to a point I wanted to make is that there's a great book, your favorite author and mine, Henri de Lubac. Yep. Yes. Yep. Uh-huh. We were talking about a name for this is total aside, but just made me think of it. <clears throat> With these two parishes, they both have French names, Our Lady of Lourdes and St. Louis. And there's a group of theologians who I love who are called the Ressourcement theologians, which means a return to the sources. So this is Henri de Lubac, Yves Congar, Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger, who became Pope Benedict. John Paul II was really a part of this, um, and a number of others. Uh, Jean Denis that's a fun name. <laughs> I'm such a nerd. I know. But anyway, so I was like, we should call it, we should call like, um, we could use resource mon as, which is a French word as kind of the way to name this cluster of parishes. But everyone shot me down immediately. They're like, that's the dorkiest thing I've ever heard in my life. I just don't know what it means. It's like, I just told you, it means return to the sources. Right. But if I had to cite those, I mean, I'm more of like, I'm a rat pack kind of guy. I want Dean Lewis, Frank Sinatra, that's your, that's your crew. That would be that, but like it's the rat pack. I don't even know what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, back to our, but what I, what the point I want to make, so, so Henri de Lubac was one of these guys. Yeah. So de Lubac <clears throat> wrote a book called the drama of atheistic or of atheist humanism. And what it was doing is, and this is what I think this is the question that this guy I was asking Ben Shapiro. Can I get the effects without really the heart? Yeah. No, you can't. And so Balthazar also used to call this, he called this the plundering of the church. And what it was, it was a group of people who said, and people like Karl Marx, for instance, who they wanted to say, we want to, in some ways, affirm real humanity. And we want art and culture. And we want people who think deeply and live really moral lives, but we don't want God. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, those two don't fit together if if at the end of the day if you are just a bunch of neurons firing in that brain of yours yeah if that's all that's going on i i've never heard a good answer for why and people try i mean um, sam harris is an atheist out there who tries he doesn't succeed he he tries to give these like baseline principles and at the end of the day they're just not compelling yeah there if there is no god there's no reason why i should not be a supervillain. there just isn't Totally. If I'm, if you are just an animal and you're going to die and that's all there is to you, it's really hard to explain how there can be moral and immoral things. 
it's really hard to know, understand the difference between what a like a scientific fact is and what we mean by the word truth in a deeper sense. It's really hard to do that. Uh, it's really hard, by the way, uh, I read a book on this. It was unbelievably boring, but there was a book I read on free will and why science still has not disproved free will. But all these people are trying. And at the end of the day, if you are, if you don't have a soul, if you're not a physical being, or if you're, if you're not something more than just a physical being, you cannot have freedom. Yeah. And that's, this is traditionally one of the strongest arguments for this existence of the soul, by the way, is that things that are merely physical, they, 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 it's a, they work in cause and effect type chains. Mm -hmm. It's like pool balls on a pool table. So I hit the cue ball, it bumps into the seven, which hits the 13, which hits the, you know, eight ball, whatever. And if we're, if we are merely physical and people who are really smart, they end up saying this freedom is an illusion. By the way, Sam Harris says this, he says that free will is an illusion. And I always laugh because he's trying to convince other people that free will is an illusion. And I'm like, why are you arguing? Cause they can't decide. It's just they don't have freedom to choose. Yeah. But anyway, I, that was a long diatribe. No, I think it's. <clears throat> It's super interesting just trying to navigate that, um, especially when we always talk about too, like in society today, most of the people that are in those spaces are, are previous like advocates, like trying to remove God from an equation and then to be a lay person and trying to discuss why faith and Christianity and any of that and truth matters. Yeah it doesn't matter for them. Right. Like, so it's, it's tough to try to rip it. To me, it just doesn't make sense to try to um, take the values, but remove God. I, I think the first step we might have with some people, not everyone different. We have to do different things with different people. Totally. I'm convinced we have to <clears throat> just tell the story of what Jesus did for us. Mm -hmm. And that moves hearts. It moves my heart and people there. There's a, there's a resonance inside of them when they hear the gospel message and they hear about the love of God that saved them from the brokenness of evil and, and sin there, there's something inside of them that comes alive. Yeah. And I think that's, that's probably the primary thing we need to do. But some people, I think what we need to do, we get, we need to get people asking questions again. Right. We need to get people who wonder why they hunger for meaning in their life. Mm -hmm. Why do I, why am I always searching and why am I always looking at right, this is Victor Frankl, man's search for meaning. Yep. <clears throat> why do I so desperately want my life to have a meaning and a purpose? If I'm just a bunch of neurons firing, why should I desire something we call meaning? Totally. And, and I think, right, like <clears throat> with Gianna and with, and this is, I think, again, this comes back. All things return to Dr. Leonard Sachs. Yeah. <laughs> but part of the reason we don't ask questions anymore, and part of the reason I think atheism is on the rise, is because we're all just staring at screens all day and we're just distracted. That's right. And we're doing anything we can to avoid any sort of like confrontation. Yeah. Like you don't want to have that. You don't want to be the parent that's like, no, go to your room. You can't play video games tonight. Like, right. you want to be the cool one. You right. want to be... And we, it's, that's the world today in every relationship is very much, it's easier now, especially with all these movements 
it's like if you're not in you're against us yeah and it's and you're like deathly against us like you can't just agree to disagree anymore yeah and like Balthazar had this phrase he used to talk about the anima technica vacua which means the vacua is empty or vacuous and anima is soul and so anima technica vacua so basically what he was saying he would talk about the modern human being is a soul that is has technology and and is all about what is technical but it's empty yeah and so none of us you're right and i i tell people all the time i think the greatest cause of modern atheism is artificial light interesting which is like a thought-provoking hip yeah kind of statement from a a priest for a second but seriously what yeah (laughs) so so when was the last time you have were under a billion stars dark night sky and could see a billion stars man it's been a while yeah i mean it's been a long time for me honestly yeah and but when you when you walk outside in a night and like a clear summer night where the and you're away from city lights you can't help but look up and feel small and start thinking philosophically which means asking questions yeah why what am i doing here why are they look at the beauty of the night sky and there's a billion stars floating around out there and why should should i exist and and all of a sudden all because what happens is in my life i am waking up every night at 3 a.m right now stressed out and i'm just thinking about what's in front of me yeah i've got to do this oh my gosh i'm not good at this and i have to have a hard conversation with this person and that person and how am i going to manage two new priests and make sure that they're not terrible preachers and whatever else which i'm sure they won't be but um we're do, that's what we do and right. then every once in a while in the modern world someone breaks out of that and they see a starry night sky and they wonder again about what it means to be a human being right and that's that's what i mean by we need to get people to ask questions right if if they start asking deeper questions about what does it mean to be a human being we just assume this kind of view of the universe it's all meaningless it's all a bunch of rocks and dust floating around space and somehow magically one of these planets produce life yeah and that's just wild you and i are sitting here running a podcast on this giant hunk of rock (laughs) spinning and it's orbiting around the sun yep and this insignificant corner of the galaxy and our hearts are wondering all the time what's the purpose of my life what is truth you know, and if we just did that a little bit more, there's a reason why the overwhelming majority of humanity has been religious all through history. Atheists are massively outnumbered in history. And I think part of the reason, right? And so this is what I mean. The modern technological era has made us lose contact with what it means to be a human. Totally. Because I just want to watch Cardi B at, what would, what would she be at? The Music Awards or something. Right, right. And I just want to be distracted. And I'm going to drink and do drugs and watch, you know, video, play video games. And I'm not in touch with what it actually means to, to ask these kind of questions. To live. Well, and I think that's what was so interesting in, in my story of the first time I think I really did that was when my mom died. Right. Was the first time that I was like, wait a second. I've never been more depressed. I'm in the middle of an eating disorder. I'm blah, 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 blah. And then it all, and I'm yet still like, I got to have my private plane. I got to 
beyond Forbes, 30 under 30, like all these kind of like goals that I was trying to achieve. And then when she died, I was like, for what? Yeah. Absolutely. For what? And it was the first time that I stepped back and started to kind of just question anything. Yep. Cause all I, all I was doing, and I think you see it again with exactly your point, everything we live in now, it's Instagram. It's, I was on a call today trying to figure out some like uh, social media stuff for Lords and what we're doing. And I was talking um, to amazing people. They're so awesome, but from focus and they were just kind of like, it was interesting to hear him say though, like, I'm like, how do we, what's the best way to get like a uniformed message out there? And mm-hmm. like, well, what's your demographic? I'm like, well, we want to start a youth group and we have a young, dun, dun, dun. we do, uh, we have a young demographic and they know this, but then we also have older parishioners like, yep. okay, great. So, you know, we got to figure out if this would work or not, but if you're trying to hit youth group, we probably need to be on TikTok. If you want to be in the 25 to 35 year old range, you want to be on Instagram. And if it's anybody over the age of 35, you want to be on Facebook. And I'm like, what? Like, what is, t- I can't get, there's no way I'm going to get FB on TikTok. Like, I don't even know, I refuse to download that one. But you're consistently in this world of just like the next thing. And this, you're zoning out to another thing, another Netflix, another blah, blah, blah. And you're avoiding any and all questions other than how am I going to escape my reality next? I, you know, I ask this question a lot. <clears throat> and I, I love that you're bringing this up because with that, with those kinds of social media outlets, one of the questions I always have is we're so convinced we have the right message. We have the, we have the saving gospel of, of God, but the way that we get that message out there, does it reinforce everything else? Yeah. A negative way of existing in the world. (laughs) Totally. And that's, it's a little bit of a catch 22 because if you want to go out and Pope Benedict called for this in his pontificate, that we need to use modern means of communication to reach people but somehow there has to be a calling back to what is human that's right there has to be a calling back is that but isn't that ironic <laughs> it is all right yeah. I, it's seriously i need you to understand the truth of of what we're talking about and i know you're super distracted <clears throat> with all these media platforms follow us on tiktok exactly yeah and and we'll teach you about why tiktok's so bad exactly <laughs> that's that, that i mean seriously that is the the <laughs> kind of contradiction you get caught in uh and it's a little tricky but at least there's some people out there hopefully we're one group out there trying to call people to be in touch in your life right now today to get in touch with what's going on inside of you yeah and with reality even there's there's a great um story rich mullins so rich mullins was a uh, protestant you know him from our god is an awesome god which is his worst song but he he was in RCIA when he died. Yeah. But anyway, uh, he, there's a great story um, where he, people used to come to him for counseling all the time. And they'd say, Rich, I'm depressed. I've got this going on. I just can't seem to find happiness. And they come to him with like problems. And I've stolen this from him. <clears throat> so what he would do normally is he would say, what I want you to do is I want you to go home and I want you to go out on your street And I want you this week to learn the name of every tree that is on your street. And what I love about this is what they, what happened is you and I get sucked in. I'm sucked into the brokenness of just kind of the modern craziness of the world. And this is one way that rich helped people to break out of it 
is they would go look at trees on their street and they'd come back and they'd see them and they'd say, I had no idea. And like, it, I get emotional just saying this. I'm like, wow, it's powerful. They'd come back to me and they'd say, there are 47 different types of trees. Yeah. And when, and when it slowly made them realize was that they live in this magical, mysterious world. But all I can think about is on TikTok last week, someone didn't like my, I don't know. Do you like yeah. videos on TikTok? I don't even, I don't know. even know. I actually, I but truly do, do not know. You see the point yeah. though. Yeah. How many Instagram likes did I have? Right. And, and we've lost tr- touch with what it means to be a human. And so for the person who wants the effects, you have literally sucked the life out of the very thing that gives the effects their purpose. You have to go to the roots. Yep. You, we have to go to what does it mean to be a human being? And I, I am for a million reasons, I could never be an atheist, but this is a simple one. And there, there are, there are days where I struggle with my faith and I struggle with the church and especially people in the church. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I struggle with that. I really do, but I could never be an atheist. I could be someone who's a little bit of like, I don't know the answer. I'm never going to be there, but I, I, I want to be vulnerable and honest here. If I ever left the Catholic church, which don't worry, I'm not. Yeah. But if I ever did, I could never be an atheist because of trees. Right. It doesn't make any sense. There, the, we live in this world where water falls from the sky, uh, where, these beautiful things grow out of the earth and feed us. And where I have this heart that wants to love others and does, and for some odd reason wants to know what the word truth means. Yep. And I'm just, when atheists are like, Oh, we're just neurons. I'm, I'm just like, that's, I, I always kind of want to say, seriously, grow up. Yeah. How can you not see this? Grow up. Well, I think what's so fascinating about that is again, I share the same, sentiment i think a lot of people i mean when you say that like the number one you know religion is ex-catholics like right. that whole stat and i've especially since joining the church and coming into the church and working for the church and blah 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 blah. there are a million reasons why i should not be catholic right. someone was rude to me the priest was rude to me the you know this person who is catholic was rude to me all this kind of stuff and and when you really break it down it's like i'm not catholic for any one of those. And, exactly. and, and it is so humbling to hear you say that you're waking up at 3 a.m. stressed about all the things that everybody else, like the notion is always out there. It's like priest life. What do you, you probably just pray all day? Burn People incense. have no idea what priests do. That's right. And they're like, oh, it must be, it's got to be nice. Like he just probably goes to sleep. He wakes up, does prayer time. And it, and you have just much of reality and everybody is human. We're all flawed in the original sin aspect. And we all have our issues, but I am Catholic, not because of you or the Pope or the Archbishop or, right. you know, we have our, our podcast on like Sue Pitch versus, you know, Gomez, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, fine. All that's fine. But because of the trees, because of God, because yeah. of the actual truth involved, all right. the other stuff will, that sucks. That there's gonna be a lot of ebb and flow in that of good relationship, bad relationship, interactions were bad, this and that. That's not why you're Catholic. Yeah. And I mean, it, amen. Right. And the, the beautiful thing about the church is that all these things come together. So, so the argument I made about the mysterious nature of the universe doesn't prove God's existence. 
it just makes us deeply suspicious. That's right. Right. Yeah. Why there's the famous philosophical question. Why is there something rather than nothing? Why is it? Why is there something rather than nothing? But the, um, there are better proofs. Like as, as a Catholic, when I actually leave Denver and I go walk in like Waterton Canyon, don't go there. It's mine. You go to Waterton Canyon. I just feel, I come alive. There's something spiritual inside me that comes alive. Now that's a really bad argument intellectually, but every one of us has experienced that. But intellectually, guess what? There's incredible arguments. St. Thomas's Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas's argument for the existence of God that comes from contingency has never been disproved because it's impossible to disprove it because it's true. But most people and Ed Fazer, I, I, gosh, I'm bad today. I'm all over the place, but different Ed Fazer is a Catholic philosopher who has pointed out that what most professional philosophers do who teach in universities, they assume that it's not relevant and they assume it's not relevant because it's been disproven at some point. And then they actually don't carefully listen to what St. Thomas says. And he's, he was an atheist. And when he finally did, he was like, Oh, crap. And now he's a devout Catholic because he's the, the intellectual argument for God's existence is irrefutable. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, yeah, I find it so fascinating of, oh man, I think it just, it means so much. It's been coming up so much lately of how broken everything is. I know one of, um, someone in the family had a, coming into the church and they were like, I'm going to become Catholic. Like, I feel it. I feel everything. I've asked yeah. these questions. I know it. I don't, I may not be able to like argue, blah, blah, blah. But then they told their friend that they were going to become Catholic. And they were like, you're going to join the Catholic church. They are so oppressive to women. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do after the podcast. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to go oppress women. Right. <laughs> like it goes back to that thing though, of like, that person probably had one interaction with somebody who was quote unquote Catholic that showed them otherwise why not to be Catholic. But then there's so much like so much to look at and just wonder and ask yeah. yourself. And that's where as a parent and this is where Dr. Leonard Sachs come in is like as a parent, even as a priest, as a you're at the gym, you need a trainer. Why do you need a trainer? Because you need somebody to guide you the right way. And just going in and saying like, sure, go pick what you want. Go have fun. Let me know how it goes. Yeah. Like you're setting yourself up to fail. Totally. And you really need to have those boundaries and people and influences in your life. Scripture, God, priest, blah, blah, blah. Right. To guide you in a way that you will mess up, but to get you back on track. Yeah. No, amen. It's just, I mean, and we, we should wrap up. I do, I do think, you know, Catholics do this with confirmation. A common thing for confirmation is in a lot of places, confirmation, it's normally at like age 13. Yeah. In Denver, it's gone lower back to age seven. But a lot of people will say that confirmation is your adult decision to become Catholic. And that's one of my favorite things is rag on. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, we, we do this with 13 year olds. You know, Susie, your, your, your mom and I have come to a place where we would really like you to study hard. But we realize that you're an adult and we can't control that. Yeah. You're an adult now. And clearly it's time for you to make adult decisions on your own. <laughs> what? You know, yeah. and with Catholicism, yeah. you know, oh, here's one of the most rich, beautiful, uh, deep kind of 
things the world has ever known. I'm like, yeah, you know, but you're 13. That's right. You're th- I mean, we, we would love to, to encourage you to be Catholic, but you're 13. Yeah. And so you have to make your adult. You do you. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It is so, so ridiculous. So, but I want to leave today for my part. GK Chesterton has a quote. I think it's in the everlasting man. Um, and he talks about atheists and he says, when atheists think of human beings, they don't think about the real things of human beings. They tend to think about biology and physics. And of course those are real, but he, he has this beautiful line. He says, they're not thinking about the real things of, of humanity, things like fear on the sea and the love of a mother. Uh, and, you know, kind of the, the great courageous decisions a man makes going into battle. Totally. And I love that oh, line. Right? There, isn't that wow, beautiful? Yeah. And the real, the real thing about humanity is not, you know, cellular mitosis, which I just threw out there. I don't really remember what it is. <laughs> but... But I, but the real thing of like, of my life is not cellular mitosis as important as it is, whatever it does. The really important thing in my life is the way my mom loves me yep. and the way I love her and my dad. And it's the questions of my moral decisions of if I will stand for things that matter or if I will be a coward and live for myself. Totally. These are, these are the real things of a human life. And that's why you can't shortcut these questions with your kids. Hmm. And if you do, you are reducing the human person to be something less than what a human person really is. And, and honestly, and I'm only saying this because I, I do it too, but if you're shortcutting that with anybody in your life or your kids, you're probably doing it with yourself. Yep. And by the way, there's Catholics that do this. 100%. I think, I think yeah. a call to Catholics out there is don't be a shallow Catholic. Right. Don't just say, well, the church has the answers. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of Catholics who say, well, I'm a good Catholic because the church has the answers and I just... No, no, no. You cannot absolve yourself of God made you with a soul that is capable of very, very deep things. And you're supposed to be the type of Christian who wrestles, who enters into the depths with God and doesn't just throw a cheap answer out there. Yeah. We have too many Catholics like that and we've, we've got to go deeper. So mic drop. And we're out. And we're out. (laughs) The Patrick Divini sequel. That's right. Thanks, everybody. Hey, uh, send us an email, rant, R-A-N-T, at lordsdenver.org. Uh, come check us out. If you're in the Denver area, come to Our Lady of Lords or to St. Louis Parishes. Uh, I won't be at St. Louis till July 1st. Yep. But come check us out. Come join us in the mission. Come wrestle with the deeper questions of life. And uh, come discover Jesus Christ. Keep us posted on your questions. Thank you.